0: ecosystem to shift the atmosphere to invade a culture and I just want to say this friends do you know the authority that you have in Christ Jesus do you know the authority that you have friends uh, there's a a, a prophetic guy who um, uh, he said this in one of his books that I I read a number of years ago and he said this he said that the body of Christ is only functioning at about five percent of her potential why would the body of Christ only function at about five percent of her potential because that would tell me that, that the men and women of God who make up the body of Christ don't know who they are in Christ. Because there's, no, there's a whole other 95% of potential that we're called to reach. And so, a lot of that really has to do with how we think. A lot of it has to do with how we perceive things. A lot of that has to do with with our mindset and so this whole so we're we're doing a, a series called setting the atmosphere and I just want to do a definition of what atmosphere uh, is so if you were to look up the word atmosphere this is what it this is what it means the the first definition is the envelope of gases surrounding earth or another planet obviously we're not going to be talking about that today this is not science class you can save that for your college course or if you're out of school You know, you really don't really need to know that unless you're a science buff, then you can save that for later. We're going to be talking about the second definition of what an atmosphere is, and that's this. It's the pervading tone or mood of a place, situation, or works of art. So the pervading tone. So when we're talking about atmosphere, we're talking about the tone, the mood. We're talking about uh, the... uh, the atmosphere, the, the ambiance, the, the feel, the character, the aurora, the quality, the vibe is what we're talking about. Those are some synonyms of what that is. And so dictionary.com says this. It says that an atmosphere is a surrounding environment or influence. A surrounding environment or a surrounding influence. So the question that I would ask myself and that I would ask you today is what is your surrounding influence? Whatever your surrounding influence is, we can go ahead and tag that. That is the atmosphere that is around you. So many many places we go to, pretty much everywhere you go has an atmosphere of some sort. And so it has uh, has, uh, a vibe about it. It has, um, what are some of the other words? It has a flavor about it. It has an ambiance or an air about it. So when you go into your workplace, there is an atmosphere at your workplace, right? You go into Walmart, they play that music so that you can spend more money because they want to create the atmosphere for you to spend money, right? You walk into Starbucks and it has its own atmosphere, right? They're catering to young urban professionals. They want you to buy their coffee to sit down and, and enjoy it. That's, the, that's their atmosphere. And so we, we just kind of had a, a fun of, I, how many people here uh, during Valentine's Day would you actually consider yourself romantic? Would you raise your hand if you are? If you would consider yourself romantic, raise your hand. We only have two romantic people in this church. What the heck is wrong with you? Oh my goodness. Okay, wait, okay, more hands are coming up over here. Okay, here. Okay, this is not a right or wrong answer, and you don't have to keep your hand down because you didn't do anything to your spouse sitting next to you. Because when you put your hand up, oh, I'm romantic, and then they're like you weren't romantic. This. This, <laughs> this Valentine's Day, would you consider yourself, you know, romantic? You know, if you're, if you are romantic, how many of you guys used to be romantic and then you had kids? And then the romance kind of went out the window. It's just like, woo! <laughs> you know, my, my kids, you know, they, they are haters of, of daddy's game. I, I, I'm gonna be completely honest. So I once was romantic. It's just hard to be romantic when you have four kids. And so, you know, what, what is, what is the atmosphere of, of Valentine's Day? what does that look like? What does the environment look like? You know, we see uh, there's, you know, usually you go to the store, I mean, everybody's selling flowers, I mean, there's, you know, all kinds of cards, I mean, there's candy, there's balloons. And so if you were a person that was a romantic, if you raised your hand, and if you're not, then here you can learn a few lessons from somebody who used to be and isn't quite as romantic as he used to be. But if I was to, if I wanted to create an atmosphere of romance, what would be What would be some of the things that you might think about? Well, you would think, what, candlelight dinner, right? Maybe uh, dimmed lights, maybe, you know, rose petals, you'd have the, you know, the person's favorite meal, quiet music. What are you doing? You're creating an atmosphere for romance, right? You might have Kenny G playing in the background or, or whatever, you know? I mean, you're setting the mood. You're setting the vibe you 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 in essence are creating an atmosphere. And so we're we're talking about this because friends, I just want you to know that as as we're as we're talking about this that that we create atmospheres. So 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 ask yourself today what does the atmosphere of my house look like? Because you are the person that deems what that looks like. So if you're a person, if you're if you if you're Home is hostile, that's because you help participate in that environment. If you have a place where, I'm, I'm, I mean, it's just, it is what it is. I mean, we, we've been doing ministry long enough. We've been doing, you know, uh, Joe and I work with kids and we work with children long enough that, I mean, we literally would have kids not want to go home because they would be going home to a hostile environment. They'd stay in church all day long, every day, if we let them. Because they would go home to, they, they just didn't want to go to that hostile environment. I mean, we had—I mean, we had one situation where we had a young lady. She stayed with us all summer because of of the the situation that was happening at her home. Because uh, her mom was was partying and had all these guys over, I and mean, it was a hostile environment for her as 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 a, as a young teenage girl to stay in when all that was happening. Because her her mom created that environment. Are you seeing this? So, what kind of atmosphere? What kind of environment does your house look like? Because you have the absolute authority to change that. For example, this morning, you know, uh, uh, pa- Pastor Dorinthia, you know, she started up worship and she kind of felt sense, like, kind of like, you know, people were just kind of like, Egh. You know, sometimes we're just like that. Is that all right? I mean, that's why we give coffee and donuts, you know, kind of give you a little bit of sugar. Because sometimes you, what, you come in on, to church on Sundays morning, especially first service. Second service seems to be a little bit more alive, probably because they got to sleep in. And so, usually, you know, sometimes it's kind of, uh. And so, so Pastor Dorenthea kind of felt that and what did she do? She kind of, she started praying and she started doing what? Kind of shaking the atmosphere, kind of changing the environment. Because this is an environment that we want for, for people to be able to find peace and to find rest and to, and to receive joy. And that's what it should be. The house of the Lord should be a place where you are comfortable and where you can, you can receive the things that are of the Lord. Is your environment at your home? Is it, is it a hostile environment? Is it survival of the fittest? Whoever gets to the refrigerator first gets the food. <laughs> How about your workplace? What does that environment look like? Do you take your workplace environment home with you? A lot of people do. A little bit. Do you know that you have the power? I'm going to say this again. You have the power to change Your environment, you have the power to change the atmosphere that you're in. Do you know that? Say this with me. Say, in the name of Jesus, Jesus, I have have the power 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 to change change my environment. environment." How do I know this? Because it's in the scripture. Matthew chapter 10, verse 11 through 13. It talks about how the disciples would go into a place. And it says this in verse 11. It said, whatever town or village you enter... Search there for some worthy person and stay at their home until you leave. Okay? As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. That tells me that as disciples of Christ, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the authority to release peace in the place you're at. Come on. Somebody needs to get this today. Because when you leave this place, when you leave the house of the Lord where you find peace and you walk into your home that's normally in hostile environment, you need to release peace into that place. Come on. So I, I feel, I feel some of you guys are getting it today. Friends, that's why we need God to invade every area. It's because, friends, God has, has the ability, you know, and that's, that's why we invite Him. That's why you say God have, have your way in every area. Because, friends, when God steps into a place, it changes everything. When God steps in, environment shift, atmosphere shift. How is it that you can have a person that was that was on drugs? You know, they were addicted to coke, addicted to heroin, whatever. They have an encounter with Christ. All of them in their home, they have a drug paraphernalia. They got all the stuff that has to do with that. They have an encounter with Christ, man. God wreck, wrecks, wrecks their life. I mean, shakes them up, transforms them. They're never the same in what do they do. They start throwing away all that stuff. Why? Because when God steps in, man, He shifts and shakes things. It kind of reminds me of this movie that I saw a number of years ago, Tron. I don't know how many of you guys ever saw Tron. I mean, it's a, okay, there's, there's a, there's a, there's the 80s version, and then there's the remake of it. Okay, I, I, I've only saw bits and pieces of the 80s version, but, uh, the newer version, I thought it was pretty cool, you know. I mean, like they had these colored suits, and 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 so the whole story basically is about this guy who was a programmer, and somehow, and you need program this video game named Tron. Somehow he ended up in the video game, okay? And they called him the maker because he wrote the code for the game. So there's a there's a scene in this movie, and and if you've seen it, cool. If not, it's it's fine. There's a scene in this movie when when because the for 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 a number of years the makers like lived all over in the like in the hills, and and hasn't really, uh, you know, been with everybody. There's a there's a there's a, a scene that's it's just so powerful. There's a scene where where the maker steps into this place that he coded and created, and when he steps in, he steps down like this, and the whole place shifts. And the person who was like the host of this little this little a party that they were ha- having, he felt it, and he said, "Woo!" He said, he basically said in so many words, he said the atmosphere is electric because the maker stepped in. <laughs> and this is just a, a, a video, you know, or a little picture of, 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 of the guy who, uh, Jeff Bridges, who played uh, in Tron. And so when God steps in, it changes things, friends. It electrifies the atmosphere. It shakes things. Friends, it should be our job as Christians to set an atmosphere where God is welcome. You know, there is an, we, we can, just like how I talked about, like how you can create, you can create an an atmosphere for, for romance. If you did this, if you did this Valentine's, great. If you didn't, that's great. You can create an atmosphere that's welcoming to God. Do you know that? You can create an atmosphere. You can create a place. That's welcoming to the Holy Spirit. And it should be, as a a Christian, as a follower of Christ, it should be our job that we make an habitation where God dwells. That we have a place where God feels welcome. I talked a little bit about atmospheres. Um, You know, I mean, like, Walmart has its own atmosphere. Our church has an atmosphere. Friends, the bar down the street has an atmosphere. Right. Okay. People create atmospheres or environments. Just think about it. You go into your workplace and you're happy and you're good and you're all. You know. I mean, if has anyone here ever actually went to work happy? Yeah. Good. 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 You need to. You need to start doing that more often. Take 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 your peace with you. Take it to work. Take it to your job. Have you ever went to your workplace and you were all like. I don't know, you're just happy on life. You know, you're just ready to go, ready to do your task, ready to And there's that one coworker in there that's ruining the whole vibe. Yeah. <laughs> right? Anybody here ever anybody here ever ever had one of those experiences? You go, okay, or or here we go or at your home. You know, you were off, minding your own business, you were all happy, everything was all good, and you stepped into your home and the person that was there just, just had nothing good to say. And what do they do? They're, you stepped into an atmosphere that was hostile. And what happens? Your mood changes, right? It does. Your mood changes. You was all happy, and then you stepped into that, and then usually you get sucked into that. Now you're all mad too, and you guys start fighting. Burr, burr, burr. Why? Because people create, we create these things. We create, we create environments, we create atmospheres. We, you know, are it's just what we do. And so, friends, if you want to create an atmosphere that's welcoming to God, there are some key elements. Kind of like a romantic relationship. I'm gonna say there's three key elements of creating a godly atmosphere. So if you're taking notes, you can write that down. If not, you can follow around on U version. If not, just look at the screens. It's all good. Three key elements in creating a godly atmosphere is number one, communication. How many of us know that all relationships start with what? The main ingredient. You gotta communicate. What do they say? When you stop communicating, that's usually when the relationship starts fading, starts distancing, starts getting bad. What's our main line of communication with the Lord? I go ahead. I went ahead and gave you guys the answer. Look at that. Prayer. We got to pray just to make it today. Sorry. MC Hammer. <laughs> Good old MC. Every relationship starts here with communication. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 says this. It says, pray continually. That means have that line of communication with your Lord. Have that all the time. You don't just got to pray because you're in church. You don't just have to pray when you're, when you're uh, at your bedside before you go to bed. Friends, pray continually. That's Paul giving... Uh, uh, Giving a word of exhortation to the to the uh Thessalon- Thessalonican church that they're to pray. Man, just pray, pray all the time. Pray without ceasing. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It says this: It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So that means, man, don't don't worry, don't stress out. I mean, how how many of us have had financial difficulties from time to time? Raise your hand. Every hand should be up here. If you haven't had financial difficulties, please teach me your methods. (laughs) Teach me your ways. (laughs) Are we supposed to be anxious when, when, you know, when when we can't pay our bills on time or, or when we're having financial difficulties? It says, no, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. Pray. Come on, communicate. Believe God. Prayer should not be our spare tire, friends. It should be your steering wheel. It shouldn't be when you're stuck on the side of the road and you have a flat and then you pull out the prayer. Friends, it should be the one that's guiding you. The steering wheel is what tells the car where to go. Our prayer, good, write that down. That's good. I stole that from someone. Prayer should not be a spare tire. It should be a steering wheel. I stole it and now you can steal it. You can quote it. Don't put me, put you. Having dialogue with God where we're talking and listening. That's what the scripture says, to him who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. How many of us in in the communication process, we're really good at talking, we just have a hard time listening? I don't know why God gave me these big old ears because I sometimes have a hard time listening. So it's almost like false advertising. (laughs) Good at talking, sometimes I miss it when it comes to listening. And that's how it is sometimes with our relationship with God. Man, we can tell God all kinds of stuff. We can tell him what's going on. We can tell him our problems. Lord, help me. But then when it comes to the listening aspect, we sometimes have a hard time. Ooh, we got quiet. It was all amen and then got quiet real quick. It's okay. We all have a hard time listening from time to time. Number two. Number one is our communication. Number two is our commitment. So a key element in setting and creating an atmosphere that is welcoming to God setting up a godly atmosphere is friends we got to be committed we have to be committed what is commitment commitment is getting to know you getting to know you <laughs> do, 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 do. You know, I want to know you more. It's like that relationship. When you're in that romantic relationship with, with somebody, you know, you may first start off with just dialogue. You know, you're just talking and this, that, and the other. But then when you become committed, you want to know what their interests are. They want to know what, what are the things that you're interested in. And what do you usually do? You will find yourself sitting through the movie that you normally don't like because you're committed to that person, Right? You'll find yourself, you know, I mean, ladies, I know there's a lot of ladies that do like sports. You'll find yourself going to that sports game and you don't, you don't care for sports because you are committed to the person, right? And there's some ladies that, I mean, they're, they're dragging their, their husbands to the game. Like, come on, let's go. Getting to know the person, getting to know their interest. I'm, and then it's going above and beyond just getting to know their interest. When you're committed, you start investing into it. What can I do to please the other person? How can I get to know them more? Friends, God knows everything there is to know about us. But in our commitment, we need to get to know what are the things that please him. And the only way we can know what really pleases God is by the scriptures. I'll tell you what, if women had an owner's manual, most guys would be successful in relationships, but they don't. But yet God has given us instruction manuals on how we are to relate with him. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Friends, that's awesome. He already knew he was going to have a hard time with our relationship with, with, with uh, our significant other. But he said, here, I'm going to make it easy for you with me. Here, I'll lay it out for you. The Bible. Bam. There you go. So, like, how do you know what is it that pleases God? What is it? What are the things that God likes and dislikes? What are, what are the things that are tasteful and, and non-tasteful? Friends, If let's just say, for instance, now, if, if sin is something that God dislikes, how do we know what sin is? Friends, let me tell you this. The culture's not going to tell you what sin is. Your family's not going to tell you what it is. Your friends aren't going to tell you what it is. The only one that's going to tell you what sin is, the things that dislike God are the words of God. The word of the Lord. What pleases Him, what displeases Him. So if I was to say, because sometimes we get this all messed up. If I was to say, hey, Lady D, what, what are my wife's interests? She don't know. Why am I asking her? Chocolate, she knows that. I would go to my wife and say, baby, what are, you, what, what are your interests? Let's go to the source, friends. If we want to know what pleases God, friends, let's not, you know, there's a lot of good things out there. Don't get me wrong. There's books, there's, there's teachings, there's videos, they're all great. But friends, if you really want to know, you got to get into the word. You got to get into the Bible. And that's the problem is that, friends, many of us, we're trying to figure this thing out, we're trying to do this thing, But yet, we don't have the scriptures in our heart. So we really don't know what pleases Him. So like, for instance, my wife, I know she doesn't like mushrooms. So if we were to go to a place, if I went to like some restaurant that was mushroom-based, that's messed up. (laughs) Or fish. My wife's not a fish person. She don't like fish. I've been to... uh, Red lobster, like twice, our whole marriage. We've been married almost 16 years in April. I've been there twice since I've been married. It's has there all the time before. She don't like fish, so we don't eat fish. She said, it is what it is. Why? Because I found out what are things that, that she don't like. Commitment. Friends, we need to be committed to the word of God. Only the word of God can tell us how to live pleasing to God. And then finally, number three, covenant, friends. Covenant. A key element of creating a godly atmosphere is we have to have covenant with God. What does covenant with God look like? One word. Holiness. The scripture says, without holiness, no one will see God. No one will see the Lord. What is holiness? Friends, holiness is not, is not wearing a bun and not wearing makeup. Okay? Holiness is not saying three amens after each message. Holiness is not what a lot of times what people think it is. All holiness really is, is being set apart for God. That's being holy. Set apart for Him. Being set apart for Him alone. Friends, holiness is saying, God, I'm yours and yours alone. Do you know that the Lord has committed Himself to us and what it looks like is marriage? Do you know that? He basically said, I'm marrying you. Friends, the Bible says that He sent the Holy Spirit as a promise, it's like an engagement ring, and he's committed himself to us. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22, it says, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. Thank you. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put His Spirit into our hearts as a deposit, a guarantee for what is to come. You know what that is? That's like the person, when they ask the person, I want to get married to you, and what do they give them? An engagement ring. It's a promise. It's a seal. Friends, the Lord has sealed us with His promise, with His promise of commitment to us. And it's the Holy Spirit. It's beautiful. It's powerful. And you know what's so crazy? What's so crazy is at the end of this thing, the scripture says that we're going to be in the wedding banquet of the Lamb, or the wedding dinner of the Lamb, or whatever the the. And so it says it in Revelation chapter nineteen, verse six through eight, talking about this feast that we're going to have, and it uses the, that uses the symbolism of 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 a wedding feast. And and many of us, you know, we don't really know. I mean, if you got to know kind of Jewish culture, because they would have a wedding feast for seven days. That's a party. We, you know, one day, you know, one evening, and then it's over. I mean, they, you know, they knew how to party. So, verse 6. It says, then I heard what sound like a great multitude, like the roaring of rushing waters, like the sound peals of thunder shouting. And this ain't God. Friends, these are, come on, hallelujah. Who says hallelujah? God doesn't say hallelujah. Hallelujah means praise the Lord. He ain't going to say praise the Lord. <laughs> hallelujah. For the Lord our God reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. Fine linens, bright and clean, was given for her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. The wedding of the Lamb. Friends, if you want to have a godly atmosphere, if you want to create a place where God inhabits, then you've got to be wholeheartedly committed to Him. That looks like a covenant it looks a lot like marriage with god that's what it looks like holiness is being set apart for god it's being all in going all in If you've ever played five card stud or you ever play poker or whatever where well, you take all of your chips and you throw them all in the middle you're all in friends that's how our relationship should look like with god that we're all in all in some of you guys don't know how to play you're just all in every hand all in all in You know what? Good. Let's, let's, let's apply that to, to the spiritual principles of how our life should look. (laughs) That we're all in. Friends, when we're wholeheartedly devoted to God, just like marriage, friends, do you know that you will have an atmosphere of blessing and peace and prosperity? Do you know that? Deuteronomy chapter 28, the first 14 verses talk about the blessings of those who walk in obedience to God. And then the whole rest of the script, the whole rest of the verse, excuse me, the whole rest of the chapter, It's all about the curses of those who aren't following the Lord. But there are blessings. The scripture says, forget not the Lord and his benefits. Friends, there's benefits of being committed, covenant relationship with him. Friends, when Joy and I first got together, we were two individually strong-willed people. Strong-willed. Henceforth, exclamation. Buttheads all the time. Fight over all kinds of stupid stuff. Turn on the AC, turn off the AC, the heat goes up, the heat goes down, windows up, windows down, stop here, stop there. I mean, you just fight about everything. Why? Strong-willed. But over the course of us living together and being together, what happened is is we started connecting together. And this is what's so crazy, it's almost kind of Twilight Zone-ish. We say some of the same things now. We sometimes make the same facial features. We sometimes will put on the same color clothes without even knowing it. We have the same likes, we have the same interest. Why? Because we're in covenant relationship. We we're bound together. Friends, when you are connected and in a covenant relationship with God, guess what? You're gonna start looking like God. You're gonna start sounding like him. You're gonna start acting like him. And that's good because, friends, you don't want to be act- you don't want to act like yourself. You don't want to be like that old man in that old nature. You actually want to take on the attributes and the nature of Christ, because that's what a Christian is. It's taking on the nature of Christ. And when you start hanging around him enough, friends, you're going to start being more like him. <laughs> it's so good. Friends, when you start hanging out with God, you're going to start finding yourself having more God-like features in your life. I don't know about you, but I want to, I want to, have, an, I want to have an atmosphere at my home I want to have, come on, an ambiance. I want to have have an environment where God is at. So that, friends, because when God's at at the house, it makes me a better husband. It makes me a better father. It's It's a place where my kids can connect with God. And then, friends, that should be my resting place that when I leave and when I'm facing the trials of each day, I can go home and, and get my rest. Friends, I appreciate that you come to the church and get your rest, but you should get that at your home too. You have to set the atmosphere for that. Stand to your feet with me if you will. We're just going to take a few moments and give you the opportunity of committing yourself to him and wherever you're at today, whether it's your first time stepping into church or or you've been committed to him for 30, 40 years, and that you would know the authority that you have in Christ. Friends, we're preaching this, this sermon series because, friends, we need to understand the authority we have in Christ, that you carry him wherever you go. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you. We thank you that, Father, that you saved us, not just so that we can get to heaven, but, God, that we can live a life that's full today. Your word says that I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. So, Lord, we thank you for giving that full life and all the benefits of heaven. God, that we can walk uprightly. God, thank you. Lord, thank you for giving us a mindset a mindset shift. God, that we would know the authority we have in Christ. Your word says whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we might loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Thank you, God. Thank you that over our homes, Father, that we would take complete authority over what that environment looks like. God, we thank you that it won't be a, an environment of hostility. God, an environment of bickering. God, an environment, Lord Jesus... God, that is that, that that's just uh, just full of wickedness. Father, help us to create, God, a place. God, where we can just, where we can receive all that you have for us. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you. We can take that and carry that wherever we go. God, we can carry that into our workplace. Thank you. God, I thank you that there are people in this room, Father, that are called to carry the presence of the Lord into this neighborhood and into the neighborhood that they live in. God, I thank you that there are people. That we're called to influence and impact. Lord Jesus, I thank you. I thank you in Jesus' name, God, that we would know who we are in Christ. Just like Pastor Dorentia said earlier, God, that we would know who we are in Christ. Father, we thank you. God, let this be, God, revelation to our heart and our spirit. So, Father, I speak blessing and favor right now over every man and woman of God in this house. I speak authority. I speak power. I thank you for your wisdom. God, I thank you for your love. God, I thank you for your grace. I thank you in the name of Jesus. God, if there's some things that we need to shake when we walk home, God, that you that we would know, God, how to pray. God, that we would know how to, how to take up our authority in Christ. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you've given us all these things. In Jesus' mighty name. I'm going to go ahead and pray a blessing over you today. And friends, if you would like prayer for anything, if you slip on up to the front, we've got some of our leaders that would love to pray for you. If not, if you've got to slip on out, that's great. God bless you. But I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pray a blessing over you. This is the prayer that Aaron would play over the whole house of Israel. And he would say this. He would say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you. And may he give you peace in Jesus' mighty name.